So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored as always by Axis Communications and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Mighty and Aura, of course. Now, my guest this week is none other than Alistair Field, co-founder and CEO of Reveal. Now, Alistair is a serial tech entrepreneur. Now, I know many people like to use that term, but I think Alistair actually is, and we'll come on to that a little bit later. Business leader, inventor, very cool. Having started his career at the age of 18, as a recording studio T-boy. I still use that job title to this day myself, but Alistair is now the founder and CEO of award-winning global business that creates body-worn cameras and video systems. Now, launched in 2002, revealed technologies used by the majority of UK police forces, those that aren't yet uh, customers, I know are well in their sights, as well as prisons, local governments, organisation, private security firms, and of specific interest to us here at uh, Retail Risk, uh, increasing number of retailers. Currently supplies its cameras and software to more than 40 countries worldwide, offices in the UK, USA, Germany, China, Hong Kong. Now, um, I looked down Alistair's CV and I thought instead of going through some of his background, I would pick some keywords which caught my eye, some of which we'll come across during this conversation, I'm sure. Others, quite frankly, just drop Alistair a note and explore. So words that stood out were Glastonbury, that has to be followed by music, <laughs> band, pilot, Formula One, passion of mine, Paul McCartney, The Temptations, Tina Turner, perhaps that's what he does on a Saturday night as a great tribute act. Take that and Channel 4's Big Brother. I've heard of that terrible show, but uh, blimey, quite the <laughs> list there, Alistair. So uh, welcome. Thank you very much. So um, before we get into some specifics, um, and, and maybe that was it, but um, when a young Alistair was there in his short trousers, staring out of the window uh, at school, and I think I'm right in saying you were born in uh, Glastonbury in the UK, right. what was your actual intended career? What did you want to do? Mm. Well, I haven't thought about this for a long time, but actually the first career I really deeply wanted to do I wanted to be a pilot a, you know an RAF pilot my dad had been in the navy so there was lots of that chat going on and this was in the 70s and 80s when we still had an air force and I would see the uh, uh, aircraft come screaming over our farm and I just gaze up there wanting to play up there so uh, and, and I joined the air training corps as it was in those days I don't know what it's called nowadays and uh, but then I discovered music and girls and that quickly dwindled into wanting to be <laughs> in a band around I don't know 17 by, by that stage you know the music scene was incredible around where I grew up uh, Glastonbury being a key part of the focus of it but that's you know that halo effect spread it around 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 the whole county so yeah pilot was the first one and then quickly segued into music well there you go the air training corps i also was in uh in that <laughs> one. so uh, i dare say we shared shiny shoes and hobnail boots uh, yeah. who knows possibly of a similar type exactly. um it's uh, sort of a uh, a cadet scout type uh organization that for is it about 13 to 18 year olds yeah something like that yeah, yeah. something like that uh, i know when i was there we went from being all male to uh, to mixed uh, which quite clearly is the, the right thing uh, to do. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a boys uh, only uh, enterprise yeah. when I was there. So um, fast forward, um, the fast jets weren't to be uh, necessarily uh, in not. the, uh, although pilot leads me to believe there might be something with a reveal logo on the side of it flying around uh, <laughs> Surrey at this part of the world. Um, 
So give me a little bit of an overview uh, about Reveal, then tell me what on earth takes up your day-to-day -day, uh, at the organization. Thank you, yeah, Reveal, 20 years old this year, we just celebrated it in great style. And we started the business, I'd started the business, imagining I was gonna continue in my TV um, uh, world. And we'd invented this uh, system for digitizing video, allowing you to add information into the video. So therefore you could find it very easily afterwards. Um, that sounds really trivial now, but in those days it was quite something. And this was all internet based again, 20 years ago, um, this was years before YouTube and Netflix and so on. We're all used to consuming material this way. But this is uh, back in the day of telly and normal um, video delivery. Um, but it really caught my imagination. And somewhat circumstantially, one of the directors uh, in the early days had worked on a policing system. And he knew that the policing world treated digital evidence, well, they didn't have such a thing as digital evidence. It used to be VHS tapes in a crate somewhere in the back of the building or perhaps down a coal mine. And so the ability for investigative officers to share information in, in anything um, like real time was, was non-existent. So we applied the same technology that we'd built for programs like Big Brother, which is this reality TV show, which is what we got involved in in the early days. Um, we applied the same technology to the management of police information, whether it was video, images, audio or documents. And so from uh, two years after, started in 2002, by 2004, we'd had our first police customer. And that was the beginning of the journey into evidence management as opposed to media management for TV. Wow. So who knew that, that the ultimate sort of popcorn reality TV show would be responsible for creating something that revolutionized yeah. the yeah. use of video. I think if you'd asked me 20 years ago, if you'd said, oh yeah, I predict you're gonna be working with the police and retailers and prison services and so on, I would have thought you'd be mad, but uh, it is what it is. And I'm really grateful for it because it's been a really exciting and very, very invigorating journey to have grown up with it and um, grown up with the police forces, retailers, et cetera, through this whole journey from having no idea about this sort of thing into it being a part of everyone's lives. So it's a great, great journey. Because it really, you're right. I mean, it really was just, uh, I mean, I remember being in stores at that time you know, we had an incident, you know, if you're lucky, you know, the videotape came out and it was in the right box on the shelf and you could find the offending item and possibly hand it over to the officer who may or may not lose it somewhere in the car yeah. box evidence file. So, yeah, to be able yeah. to transform that to, to use it in evidence, big step forward. Yeah, so absolutely. here we are sat today, yep. Reveal, operating 40 countries around the world, significant number of global offices. I think I'm right in saying you're 1890 staff within the organization yeah. Yeah. now as well. You open the laptop in the morning. The yes. butler hands you the cup of tea. Um, what, 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 what takes the bulk of your time now? I mean, what, what does Alistair Field do on a day to day? Uh, yes. Like many CEOs, I, CEOs, I have to do a enormous range of different things. I would confess my passion, my real the thing that I, when I turn the lights off and my brain's whirring away, it's all about product. That's what I really uh, challenge myself on. That's what I really get a kick out of. And I think that's what the journey was started for me. Um, 
So we often have uh, developed, we've got any number of devices, any number of new firmware features, software. There's a lot going on at any one time. And so just keeping abreast of that is one thing. I'm involved a lot in customer meetings where we try and distill what they want today, but then we have to try and implant what we think tomorrow requires because developing any system can take years. So we have to try and shoot ahead of the bird, figure out what the market's going to need. And in fact, going back to um, the early journeys uh, in body cameras, we, I thought that retail would be up for this many, many years ago. We built a small camera um, at probably the beginning of the journey. I think it was our second or third camera that we built. It was an instinctive um, thought that people, any, any profession where there was aggravation and you didn't need to be in retail to know that there was a problem in retail. I, I, I witnessed it myself. Um, but we found that the market was just not ready for it. There just wasn't that um, familiarity with it. It hadn't happened in policing in a big way. So retailers were quite nervous in the early stages, and, and I'm talking almost 10 years ago. It was a bit alien, but now things, when we introduced thing, an, a new camera um, two or three years ago, things have changed dramatically because people's perception has changed. The acceptance of body cameras as being part of normal life. It's not Big Brother. It's not draconian. Um, it's a really useful tool. So, yeah, things changed quite dramatically in that sort of eight-year period. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned sort of, I remember from my time running stores going back 20-odd you know, years now, you never would have thought of having a body-worn camera yeah. because the the rugby, the, 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 the small scuffle with the shoplifter, the aggravation, the senior management at that time would just say, well, that's just part of retail. That's just what it is. Yeah. There was no suggestion you might need a camera to back that up or no consideration for the implications of having to take yourself off yeah. and have a, you know, a couple of stitches in and, uh, you know, when, uh, when, when, when a sort of uh, stop, stop went wrong. So, yeah, I think, you know, we have a conversation just before we came on air about, you know, retailers around the world at varying speeds, but are yeah. waking up to the fact that you yeah. need to provide, you know, extra duty of care for staff yes. and in many situations yeah. body-worn cameras are clearly providing a uh you know a, a blanket and a part yeah. of that mix so yeah i think I, th I think understandably people were nervous about what the perception would be if you you rock up to work suddenly with a camera on i mean a it's cast it you have to admit that there's a problem then and, and that's not something that's very comfortable to do and I think people were worried about people playing up to the cameras and so on. And it just takes that period of time for people to accept that there isn't going to be some um, awful hello mum playing up to it type of event going on. Uh, and uh, uh, frankly, no one knew what a de-escalation effect the body cameras would have. Body cameras were brought into policing to gain better evidence. They wanted to show what the event was that was happening on a Friday night. The guy who turned up in court with a nice tie on was claiming didn't happen. He said, she said, and clearly the body cameras did that. The enormous calming effect that the police experienced was not anticipated. It was just seen as a secondary benefit. I think in retail, quite rightly, it is the prime benefit it's not because you're going to oh well, you might do but it's not about prosecuting people the key benefit the body cameras delivers is the well-being of the wearer 
feeling more confident, knowing that they've got their backs covered and just feeling mm. feeling better about life in general. I think you're right. I think, you know, 95% of the time retailers want de-escalation and to yeah. stop the behavior Absolutely. in a very small number of cases. You know, it's, it's the organized crime. It's the serious offenses. Do they want yeah. you know, evidence captured? So, yeah, I think you called it spot on in terms of what retailers want. Now, um, and you've touched on this already, but I'm really interested to know, you know, projects that you're focusing on right now. You sort of talked about staying, you know, one step ahead, guessing what's coming down the line. Mm-hmm. But what sort of challenges, what are you focusing on for the future? Any any industry trends you see coming over the hill? Crazy demands for the product that, you, that you've had? You know, specific ways that you help retailers? A big, broad question, but really I'm fishing yeah. there to you can give some insight from some of your customers, who they might be, what they're asking for. Yeah. The application of body cameras in retail is relatively new, as we've discussed. Some of our police customers and border control and so on, they might be experiencing their third, fourth generation of cameras. So clearly they have tended to think about what it might bring in future. We've got the benefit of that because then we can kind of put that lens across what we think retail might want. To a degree, retail wants a simple proposition. The camera needs to be fairly Uh, basic we don't want a big training implications and so on so at the moment we're experiencing a customer base and frankly we're uh, very very happy about that because we don't want to overcomplicate things at this early stage of adoption and it's still relatively early Um, although the UK has taken it up uh, uh, at a a great rate of knots but to answer your question the kind of things we're working on uh, we've already got facial recognition working in the cameras and we think that might have a profound effect for retailers Um, Everyone listening to this will know about the enormous problem of organized crime, persistent offenders, and we can see or foretell a uh, a retailer wanting to have preemptive um, warning, if you like, that someone has entered their premises who is on a watch list. So that, that is something we've worked on for the last couple of years. It's very early days. There's lots of challenges with implementing this from a political perspective from a legal perspective but clearly if you've got persistent offenders especially violent offenders then it would be extremely useful for anyone wearing the camera to have uh, a warning of that that's going on um we work hard on streaming technology um it's all very well having de-escalation key aspect i appreciate um, but in a really heightened situation, you might actually want someone uh, in an alarm monitoring center, for example, to be able to see that live or a management to see it live. It might be a training issue. So the live transmission of this um, is a key thing forward. Frankly, we've been doing this for many years, but we're enhancing the ability, uh, making it faster, making the delay less. And the other layer that we're uh, going to be delivering soon is the ability for an operator to talk back to the camera, either to give them guidance, assurance, let them know that someone is coming, etc. Um, so all of these are available, but the retailers are tending to want the simple proposition first, I think for familiarity training, and I, and I, I fully understand that, but we are, we're thinking well into the future and, and beyond. We are putting safety devices, now the cameras that we deliver have the ability to run AI tasks, um, artificial intelligence tasks, 
And so we can use the sensors within the camera, not just the video sensor, but we also have accelerometers, you know, the ability for it to sort of sense what, what it's doing. Um, and we can use that to uh, judge whether the person is in an unusual situation. Either they're in a scuffle, they might have fallen over, they might be incapacitated in some way. So we can use artificial intelligence, we train it with different movement to determine the types of activity that that person is doing and uh, act accordingly, whether it's to automatically record, in some cases we can stream and so on. Um, we do see the ability, you know, smart shelving and having a video there. You, you could see a future where the video is actually actively looking for issues around the store and so on. So it's an exciting future, Lot, lots to learn and lots to develop. It's uh, going to keep us very busy for a long time. Yeah, it's interesting listening to you there. You know, it reminded me a little bit of you know, once upon a time we had a mobile phone, didn't we, that could make a call. Yes. And then over time, it yeah. began to replace our satellite navigation for our car and it started yeah. to monitor our health. And yeah. nobody knew we needed it until our phone suddenly developed all of these capabilities. And all of a sudden we need three processors, four lenses <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, and, yes. but it is, yeah. I think you're right. If, if people are taking the, the body worn camera and it's providing value when it's quote unquote, just a phone mode, if you like. And then yeah. all this extra stuff's being layered on because none of us knew we needed an iPhone 13. Oh, absolutely not. And, and, and Let alone an iPad. That's right. Uh, a mini one and a full size. I mean, it's just <laughs> unbelievable, isn't it, where it's gone? So, yeah, yeah, it's really, you know, fascinating to hear you talking about the innovations that are coming down the line because you're right, all of those things a lot of retailers can make use of, they ask absolutely. about, you know, and, and so I could, yeah. Is there a point where, for stock replenishment, you know, you can see a time where you're, you're walking the store floor anyway, and the camera's identifying out of stocks. Uh, absolutely. That's not a fantastic house. vision. That's not too crazy. Uh, obviously, there's the problem of handling biometrics and faces and stuff. But yeah, all, all of these things are actually um, very achievable today if the will is there to, to adopt it. Um, so we're, we're always stuck on the seesaw of, wanting to innovate and, and show everyone how clever we are, but also keeping the proposition simple for a customer who's just adopting it for the reasons that we've discussed. Yeah, and, and a value that. retailer opposed to a high-end fashion are going to have different budgets and requirements. But uh, yeah, super, yeah. super exciting. Yeah. Um, now, um, I'm going to ask you, and I want to come on to, um, yeah, I'm interested, you've operated at the top of numerous industries and about how you get influence particularly when you've uh, you know operating with so many police forces but before i delve into that in time-honored fashion we're just going to take a short break to hear from our sponsors and then uh, we'll come back for every type of business the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere anytime 3x logic so welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am still talking, of course, to Alistair Field, co-founder and CEO of Reveal. Now, um, there's a whole raft of keywords from Alistair's CV that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, uh, and I don't know whether uh, any more of them are going to come out at this particular moment. But just before the break, I alluded to the fact, yeah, Alistair's operated uh, at the top of numerous industries uh, and, and continually had success. I guess a two-part question. One's really 
fascination when you're trying to influence senior um, police officers um, about the benefit of body-worn cameras. I'm assuming you can't go in and tell these people um, what they need to do because that's not necessarily in their DNA. So what, what qualities do you think you and other successful CEOs need to bring as a modern leader in the industry to, to influence and bring along police uh, and other services and selling into into retail because i i get the impression that you're not the kind that walks in and tells people what they need to do uh no i i should uh, start this by saying that um i have a huge well a big very very capable team and i do uh precious little of the selling nowadays um i i, I go and support the sales team if they think it could help uh it's a big question and I'm not exactly sure, but you're absolutely right. We do not tell people what to do. Um, our working assumption is that they know way better about how to run their operation than us. Um, but to break it down, we try and gain as much evidence. Thankfully, thankfully, the world that we live in reveal, there is an instinctive assumption that this is going to work. And of course, before we started, there was no evidence. And frankly, within retail, there was no evidence. It was people who had the insight and instinct that would put that together and say, I think this will work. And so what we do, no one ever goes from, uh, hey, who's reveal? Oh, let's have a thousand of those cameras. There is a process. So we always give them the equipment to, uh, to, to touch and feel in the outset, then they'll probably run a small scale pilot and then they'll probably run a bigger scale pilot. Very, very traditional route. Takes a long time, so we need to be very patient. What we do try and do is to get uh, customers of ours who are um, operationally familiar and frankly enthusiastic about the technology to talk to their oppos, whether they're in the police services or um, or in retail or any other uh, market segment we're in. And we've found that the real energetic fans of the idea are exactly the right people to give influence because they can say, well, this is my experience. I think you should do that because they're talking to the same type of people um, with the same reference points. But yes, to your point, we never tell people how to run their business. I think the fact that you've got existing customers that will put their neck on the line and talk about yeah. the benefits and I assume you know even say oh this isn't perfect but you know the guys and girls back at, uh, at, at development are working on this for us that's got to be yeah uh, yeah absolutely we we try and get as much um media as together we, we often go with our with our customers blessings sometimes they ask us to we have a video team that will go in. We do a lot of it by speaking to the people wearing about wearing it. It shouldn't just be a conversation that's happening at the executive level. This is for the people working on the shop floor in this case. And in the case of policing, it's the people on the front line. So we uh, we interview them a lot and we integrate, uh, talk to them an awful lot. So a lot of this is anecdotally based. There's not that much um, science. There have been some studies and it's all always positive. And we've, we've actually commissioned studies ourselves with professors of this and that and the other. Um, but you only need to hear it from a few people who've worn the cameras to understand how much better they feel, how much more confident they feel, how much more 
protected that they feel. So it's a range of things. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you have to uh, yeah admire that sort of uh, you know commitment and uh, and reassurance that you'll, you'll you'll let a customer loose to talk to a prospect. So it's obviously working out. The, the the orders keep coming in. Yeah. Um, just interestingly, you know, like you say, you've ran a, a few businesses along the way. Uh, all have been successful um from the outset um, well no they, they haven't actually <laughs> i've had a few that haven't been on the cv and so uh, <laughs> actually do you know i was just just saying that i thought we've all got that one or two that that you don't list along the way yeah, so, cool. uh, but you've got a number of businesses that have been successful over the years out of interest what's your you know what's your what's your go-to magic what's your one 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 sort of uh piece is there is there is there a right hand guy or girl that's been with you along the way and uh i will say i'm just the um, face at the front end not, at, just... not at all times i often i often get i often think about this and i'm i'm frankly i'm not exactly sure a stubborn determination and that's not something you can read from but you can't say i'll oh, be stubbornly determined um because in the early days of reveal it was all run on fumes and, and less sometimes um so for some reason i've got and i don't know where it comes from I've got the ability just to keep buggering on, as Churchill would say. And so, uh, and I think that's the single most important character that I, characteristic that I've got that's enabled it. It's determination to make it work when all of the headwinds and seas are going against you. Um, of course, you've got to have a bit of energy and enthusiasm. You've got to bring people along with you. I, I do try and do it by, um, leadership rather than management but that's easier said than done um so it, it's a range of things but yes stubborn determination i couldn't have done it without that yeah uh, great 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 strap line i think i think you're right and uh, yeah interesting maybe, maybe maybe that's uh uh something we should be uh can you can you introduce that as a lesson at school for our uh, next generation i don't know <laughs> well i've got two teenagers and it's not working so far but we'll get there yeah, mate, hopefully it's just 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 a phase. So uh, yeah. my boys are eight and nine. So uh, oh, okay. Yeah, to we'll, we'll yeah, appreciate that. Although <laughs> social media means I'm sure they're well, they are clearly far yeah. more uh, advanced, if that's the right word, or uh, than I was at eight yeah. and nine. That's that's for sure. It's yeah, well, they do see leadership from a bit of from a different lens, and they kind of oh, there's you know, what's the next get rich quick? And yes. I quite often get asked. I've, I've been asked to mentor people as. as as I'm sure many people on this call will. Um, and I said, unless you really badly want this, you can't, you have, it's almost to the point where you, you have to do it. You've got no choice. You have to do it. I don't know. And I don't know where that came from. I didn't want to do anything else. And I knew I desperately wanted to own a business. It didn't end up where I thought it would do, which was back in TV, but it's been uh, rewarding nonetheless. I, I normally find when somebody sort of says, oh, my goodness me, you're so lucky to have this opportunity or you fly all over the world and, uh, and yeah, the same. And then yeah. that's to say, no problem at all. I, you know, to mirror me, just uh, meet me tomorrow morning at 5am and, uh, and you can and the, track me for the day. And then generally that sort of stops their interest in, uh, in understanding what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's much, much, much less glamorous than people imagine. That's right. Yes. Yeah, a good bit of far, far, you know, there's, you went back, you know, back to a question you asked earlier on, how do I spend my day? Unfortunately, the bit that I really, really love is probably 5% of my time. Yeah. The rest is dealing with landlords and HR issues and 
supply 95% customers the, contract the time and the right for the 5%. So, look, um, final question for you. And, and again, you've, you've given us insight into what you're working on, but how do you see, see the future of Reveal? Is there, a, is there a plan for global domination that's, uh, that's on track? Can you sort of, there's a little white cap on your knee as we speak, just slightly out of view. You know, where is Reveal going to go in the next one, three, five years? What, what's, what's the goal? We do actually, funny enough, have a five-year plan. And it's the first time in the history of Reveal. And first five years was just keep the lights on. The second was, can we actually make this a proper business and, and so on. Um, now, um, we have a very stable business. It's privately owned. We have no debt. We have no uh, external investors. So we get to do what we want to do. Thankfully, it's been profitable um, and we plow that back into business ventures, whether it's new products um, and new markets. So to your point, um, and I'm not saying this just because I'm on this call, retail is now a key focus for the business, uh, is the fastest growing part of the business in the UK. Uh, I've recently been to other foreign territories, America specifically, and we can see the appetite there uh, is, is, is ripe. And so we will be um, providing extra horsepower in those areas. So we see enormous growth. We will obviously keep our uh, other markets alive. Um, we're not going to just suddenly split cons uh, totally over into retail, but we see it as being a cornerstone of the business. And frankly, between us, I think this will be the biggest part of the business in five years' time. So we're yeah. very, very, very committed to it. Yeah, and, and, and amazing to hear, you know, debt-free privately owned business it's uh, it's the one big negative that you always hear from those that take investment or you know funding from one source oh. it seems great momentarily oh, and oh. then the control just erodes away and the opportunity best thing best thing that's ever happened to us because of course when we really needed it or wanted it it wasn't available and now yeah. we get offers every five minutes but if there's another piece of advice keep as much of it under your control as possible, ideally all of it. And we've been lucky that we've managed to, managed to do that. And I see no reason why that should change. Well, long may it continue. I, I wish you uh, every continued success into retail. I think your timing uh, and your product is absolutely spot on. So there is no reason at all why that global domination shouldn't be <laughs> a, a, achieved. Uh, so, um, but Alistair, for now, it's been amazing. And I shall look forward to watching with intent how Reveal progresses and who knows, maybe seeing a retail risk event or two around the world Absolutely. in the future as well. But for now, yeah. Alistair, amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much, Paul.